there, folks, and welcome or welcome back to Nippon Trading International's Japan Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Ziv Nakajima, again, and this podcast is brought to you, among others, by Emil Gorgis of realestate.jp. He's a Tokyo real estate agent who specializes in serving international or mixed nationality families who are looking for the perfect family home. So Emil's an Australian. He's been living here in Japan for over two decades now. And for about half of that time, he's been buying, selling, and managing real estate properties in Tokyo on behalf of his own family and a great many happy clients. And he also acts as a mortgage broker on behalf of his clients. So he's got dedicated loan officers in many of the Japanese mega banks. And if you're a regular listener of the podcast, you probably already know him from our JREP, the Japan Real Estate Experts Panel Sessions which means that you're already aware of the fact that the man is an absolute fountain of wisdom on all things related to real estate in Japan, and in particular to family homes, the greater Tokyo metropolitan area, and mortgages. And most importantly, he's incredibly generous with his time and advice, which he's more than happy to provide at no cost or commitment to anyone asking. So if you've been thinking about buying your home in Tokyo, but you've been sitting on the fence for a while, or you just want to have a chat in English with a real expert, Drop him a line on sales at realestate.jp. Hit him up today and start exploring your options. All right. So first off, huge thank you to everyone who attended our Japan Real Estate Autumn Summit last Sunday in Tokyo, both in person and via streaming. It was an absolute delight meeting you all in person, as well as exchanging messages with you via the Zoom Room chat. Kudos to whoever it was that put himself and his daughter on camera for a moment. They're very cool, but please don't do that again. Anyway, we had a blast both at the event itself as well as at the after party at the bar afterwards. I've already published some of the photos on my own social media profiles, and I'm now working on a resource page for the event, which will have downloadable recordings of the sessions, all except Emil's. Unfortunately, we've had our wires crossed in the first hour. Everyone involved thought somebody else was recording, so his presentation specifically was not recorded. So firstly, this is a call out to anyone who has recorded that particular session. I know that I gave permission for some people to record. If you happen to have a recording of that that you can share with us, that would be awesome. The rest of the sessions were recorded in most part. I might have missed the first few seconds of Tracy's presentation. Apologies in advance, but the vast majority of the content will be made available to you in the next week or two. So please stop hitting us up uh, with where is it messages. It always takes a week or two after the event. Bear with us, please. And Emil is also going to be holding a subsequent live online session himself for everyone who purchased a ticket to compensate for the lack of said recording. Uh, so all presentation slides will also be available for download via that same page, except again, Emil's for some reason, he's a bit shy to provide his slides as a direct download. So feel free to reach out to him personally to get a copy of his. But aside from those little hiccups, again, fantastic day, very much the same as our first event back in February. And we're now more than confident that we will we'll be holding these twice a year. So look out for the next event in early spring 2024 will be coming your way again, maybe even for a two day event this time, if we can pull it off, just watch this space and you will be notified when the next one is scheduled. Okay, so for today's episode, this is a recording of a JREP session in which all of us discuss how exactly our fee structures work and when various components of payment are due when you engage each of our unique services. So we've covered bits and pieces of this topic in various sessions in the past, but never in one central detailed discussion. 
And so we talk about realtors like Emil, buyer proxies like ourselves at NTI, uh, short-term stay and renovation experts like Tracy and Blanca, and how and when we all need to be paid. Uh, Seller-side realtors, buyer-side realtors, the one or two agents that are involved in most property transactions here in Japan, and what's that all about, the cultural and behavior differences involved in serving resident versus non-resident foreigner clients in Japan, Um, And also um, how to build relationships with real estate professionals here, who works for free, when and to what extent, the difference between charging for professional services as opposed to property sales or individual asset-related transactions, um, hourly retainers versus fixed fees, and also a bit about how to communicate with Japanese realtors or uh, property professionals as a foreigner. We then dive a bit deeper into when should one consider renting out their property via short-term stays as opposed to long-term leases, what's involved in all that. And on that same topic of free work, again, we also talk about free quotations, free estimates, complimentary property researches, consultations, and other perks, um, how to serve clients that can't receive help anywhere else, managing client expectations and budgets, and how we pre-screen and evaluate if we even want to work with a potential client or not, which could be pretty useful for some of you when you approach us for the first time, hint, hint. Just before we get into it, small caveat, when we recorded this session, we were still at NTI charging a minimum fee of only 5% of 5 million yen, 250,000 Japanese yen. As we've been receiving more and more inquiries and onboarding more and more clients who are buying older houses, whether for holiday home purposes or others, those come with a whole slew of unique challenges and boxes to tick that make the uh, transaction far more complicated. And we found out that our minimum, unfortunately, has to go up when we're dealing with houses as opposed to condo units, entire buildings or land parcels. So even though this recording, which was done a good few months ago, specifies that our minimum fee at NTI is 250,000 yen, please be aware that that is now 500,000 yen or 5% of 10 million yen if we're dealing with houses as opposed to any other asset profile. So even if you're buying one of those uh, infamous akias or cheap houses in the Japanese countryside, which can and often do cost less than 10 million yen, for our services at least, you will need, still need to pay 500,000 yen. Just wanted to put it out there before you dive into this episode. And with all of that said, enjoy the conversation, and I'll see you again on the other side. Okay. No, you're right. You'll just have to cut that out. We'll have to cut that bit out. We are recording. Leave it on the uh, editing room floor. I'll just wait for the message to go away. Hang on. Right. Oh, okay. I've, been, I've been trying to play right. with uh, Premiere Pro, the video editing software as well. And well, I, I'm trying to do a start up a Tokyo Dads podcast and Tokyo Dads group. Um, well, editing is next level complex yeah. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. we go as raw okay well welcome back to the japan real estate experts panel uh, finally in uh, full full form for a while emil welcome back hey guys it's uh, good to be back uh, i mean was i was in australia for a little while and then in the u.s for a little while and then i came back and just had some soldier, shoulder surgery uh so uh but yes i'm back in action semi we still got well, wearing a very so- uh, harness there yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't really move my elbow so much, my shoulder so much, but I'm good. Yeah. How are you guys? I miss your faces. <laughs> Every- yeah, we also had only a few sessions because everybody was so busy at some point and traveling and everything. So it actually, it's actually a long time for everybody. 
Oh, because we had Golden Week and we had a, you know, like, you know, my my kid transitioned from elementary school into junior high school, so there was all of that yeah. stuff as well. Yeah. Yeah, and so did yours, right, Ziv? Uh, he's starting uh, Ninense now. Oh, Ninense. Mm. Okay, so he's like David. Mm. I think they're probably the same age, but like a few months apart, which makes a difference usually. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, Dave is also Ninense, so he's 13. He's going to be 14 in September. That's great. Oh. And my kids aren't here. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> my kids aren't here. Fantastic is the story of my life, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, can we just sort of uh, jump into what we were discussing before we started recording? Um, we were having a bit of a work, yes. talk about, about fee structure because each of us are a little bit different in our, well, in our, well, the service that we provide and thus the way the fees, um, uh, the fees work a little bit differently as well. So we're having that discussion and I think we agreed that this is a really good thing to actually record and put on the podcast. Mm-hmm. So everyone can understand how it works in real estate and the different types of real estate kind of uh, businesses that we do, what the fee expectation is and the timing of the fees. Mm-hmm. I think, um, yeah, May- maybe we can start from how general realtors work and then drill down to the specialist because we got a bunch of those here too. Okay, so in my case, and what is standard in the real estate industry, so we're just a typical Japanese real estate agency, right? So if you want to buy a property, uh, this, um, the fees that are government regulated, are it's how it works is it's 3% of the property value plus 60,000 yen plus tax, which is 10%. Mm. Okay. Is the 60,000 yen a stamp duty or is that just a, like, a, like an application fee? Uh, no, no, no. That's, that's how it's calculated because... Actually, it, 3% is when you, for properties that are over a few million yen, for properties that are under a, a, a few million yen, it's kind of tiered bracketing. It's over 3%, mm. like five or six. Mm. So once you get to that, like, you know, a few million yen and up, that that's about 60,000 yen of difference. Yeah. Right? So it's because of the tier. It works out to be, I think it works out to be 5% of the first million, then 4% of the second million, then 3%. So the 5% plus 4% of the first 2 million just works out to be 60%, uh, 60,000 yen or something yeah. of that sort. Correct, correct. So that's why the standard calculation, it looks weird, but because it's a tiered structure at like this unrealistic low level price. Uh, so I think that's kind of, you know, Ziv, you may have experienced some properties in that pricing, but... For us, I mean, in Tokyo, at least, that's that's not really a yeah. like our, our fees are more than that. Um, yeah, not for a few years now. We haven't we haven't facilitated any purchase under three million yen for a good few years, and even that's getting rare. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So basically, when you want to purchase a property, the agency fee is three percent plus thirty plus six thousand yen plus tax. Uh, but we just say about three percent, you know, to for for simple calculation, or yeah, three point three percent. And that is paid, it's paid in two portions, okay? So usually when we, um, during all the negotiation and discussion, so I often get clients email me and we'll have a conversation. We'll do a, you know, one hour phone call. Sometimes we'll spend weeks or months viewing different properties, okay? If you cancel or pull out at any time, then there's no actual obligation to pay the agency fee. And there's no consultation fee. Um, sometimes I get clients from other prefectures or from out of town. 
that I know I'm not going to be able to deal with their property because they're not in Tokyo. And they say, look, you know, can I pay you a consultation fee or an hourly, something like that? And like, well, no, that's not how my business works. I'm happy to have the discussion, but, um, you know, I just work on the sale. Okay. Um, so there are clients that I'll do. It's essentially a free phone call and that that's fine. My goal is to have more people able to buy a house in, in Japan. And so, if, you know, an hour of my time can help them get closer to that. That's fine. But if you come to purchase, so I've got a client now, um, we just put the offer in uh, two days ago. Um, on Sunday, we put the offer for the, the purchase. And that contract is going to be this Saturday. It's like, a, it's about a hundred and four million yen property. It's an apartment in Chimokitazawa. And so the fees for that are about three, I think three and a half million yen is a total uh, agency fee. On the contract, when they sign the contract this Saturday, we usually ask for about 50% of that. Okay. Um, and that's, you know, we can sort of discuss that, but we're roughly 50% is what we want on contract day. And then on settlement day, which is about, you know, four to six weeks down the road, when the, they get the mortgage, the bank sort of pays all the money into their accounts. And that is then distributed to the, the, it's paid to the seller, paid to the lawyer, et cetera. That's when they pay us the remaining balance of the agency fee. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that's how the fee structure works. And it's very much that, um, uh, like, you know, 3% agency commission and only on the sale of a property. If we don't find your property and you don't buy it, um, even if we do all, like, lots of paperwork, get close to it, and then you cancel, you change your mind, there's no, there's no fee. Um, and typical real estate agents, we don't charge like a consulting or an upfront, you know, lock-in fee. You must give us a hundred thousand yen or two hundred thousand yen to begin an application or a process. We don't, we don't charge that. Um, and no, like if you're working with a standard real estate agency in Japan, Japanese or um, a Japanese one, then that's not a, a standard process. And then that's how our fee structure works. And it's important to note that any realtor in Japan has to mandate mandated by law has to follow the same commission structure correct yes so they can charge less but they're not able to charge more so for example i uh yeah so three um three percent plus sixty thousand yen plus tax is the limit that you can charge on a uh on a purchase um transaction and this is actually for both the seller and the buyer okay so the seller will pay their their agent that same fee, and the buyer will pay their agent that same fee. There are some scenarios where it's the single agent in the middle, so the seller's agent and the buyer are both dealing with the same in, same company or same individual. In that case, it's perfectly legitimate and legal for that agent to collect commission from both the buyer and the seller at, at the same rates. Uh, there are, I know in some other countries, they say, hey, that's conflict of interest, etc. But in Japan, no, that's, that's a, uh, that, that's fine. Um, and th that's how the process works. So there, are, total, some, yeah. there uh, are some agencies that only want to do direct deals where they can be the buyer side and seller side agent. They just refuse all inquiries from other buyer side agents, don't they? Yes, I, I hate that. So sometimes I call some sellers and I say, look, we want to introduce someone. We want to go visit it. And they say, nope, nope, we're only doing this exclusive or direct. 
and that is they because they want to get the commission from the sale and the commission for, uh, from the seller and they're hoping that there's a buyer that comes directly to them from the online advertising yeah and that way they get double the commission this is a i don't like this and our agency doesn't do this as well with any hurting the seller is the main point because it purely hurts the seller the seller is paying the full agency fee mm. but it's purely because of greed that the agent is not allowing other people to potentially sell yeah. it they want to get double commission that's purely a, a greed play uh, and i don't agree with it um there are lots of like lots of smaller agencies tend to do this the larger companies are kind of okay with with um allowing other agents to do it and listing it on the database correctly but sometimes you do get uh some even individual agents in there within the agency they will list it on the database and say yes you can show it but every time we call they're like ah We've got an applicant in place, so we're not dealing with anyone else. We've got an applicant we're not dealing in. Three weeks later, four weeks later, it's still there. Yeah. Uh, we're still waiting on this applicant, etc. So um, I don't like that. And I think it's it's dishonest and doing a real disservice to um, the, the seller in particular. Uh, our agency, when we get someone who's trying to sell, we, we never do that. We list it on the database right away because also we, if we hold it for too long, if we're not able to get a potential... Um, uh client right. and to look at it yeah a potential buyer then our seller will say hey what's going on and they'll look for other agents and we may lose the deal completely so long term it's in our best interest to try to do the best service we can which means listing it on the database and allowing as many agents to show it as possible yeah but it's a, it's a little bit lazy as well like you know, holding out for, you know, it's the, the typical like a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush, right? So, you know, in the time that they've been waiting, in the time that they've been waiting to actually capture both sides of that deal, they could have sold four other houses by then, right? So exactly. it's, exactly. it's a waste of time. But sometimes they don't have the four other houses. And that's why if it's, that's mm -hmm. why he said the smaller agencies, if they have just few houses, they are just be greedy because they want to maximize it's, their profit. It's pure greed, I think. It's more yeah. greed than laziness. Work because they don't do work for it, right? Mm -hmm. They just they post it online and just sit and wait for it to fall in their lap, kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah. from their lazy. Lazy. Yeah. 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 Mm. All right, Ziv, your business model. Hit us. Yeah. So we are basically um because of what Emil just described, um normally people would be taking, especially when they're shopping for a family home, they'd be going with the realtor hand in hand, looking at a bunch of um bunch of listings. And they form a sort of relationship with a realtor. And then because most of these home shoppers are Japanese in nature, once they've formed a relationship with the realtor, they are aware of the manners, what's polite and not polite. They're not going to be driving the agents round in circles and then ghosting them and disappearing and working with another agent. Unfortunately, we service... Um, I shouldn't say unfortunately. That was rude. But... <laughs> As opposed to that, we serve mainly foreigners, and 80% of these foreigners are non-resident foreigners. They are never in touch with the agent listing the property. So they don't feel either the cultural or personal need to be as polite and as mannered as the Japanese tend to be. And for that reason, we charge our fees in advance. Because what happens if we don't is that we get a slew tidal wave of tire kickers 
who make us get in touch with a bunch of agents. And those are relationships that we work very hard to, to cultivate and then treasure. And if we were to bombard them with every tire kicker that approaches us on the internet and then disappears into the ether, then we wouldn't have any agents to work with on the Japanese side. So our fees are firstly payable in advance. They're also separate to the realtor fee and are an added layer to the realtor fee because what we do is we work with the realtor on your behalf as if you were in Japan and had an address and a contact phone number and the expertise and the know-how of evaluating property deals and so forth. So we're an added layer of service. We're your proxy or your buyer's advocate. Uh, we do everything on your behalf in front of the realtor and not just in front of the realtor, also in front of the property management company in case of an investment, the building management company in case of a condo, insurance companies, maintenance companies, you name it. So our servers, services are different to a realtor. They're charged um, separately. And for your first purchase, at least, they're also going to be charged in advance. Questions? <laughs> very fair, very fair. It's important, I think, in um, when you are doing something like this it's important to get your fees ahead because mm -hmm. you'll be you'll be also working for free running around mm -hmm. uh, we don't mind like emil was saying we don't mind the initial consultation calls and if we're doing a property tour in our backyard kind of in in fukuoka city or even in kyushu if it's not too far we're, we're happy to do all of that free of charge the charge element comes in when you actually want us to contact third parties on the japanese side on your behalf and or you know, go beyond a certain amount of hours of research yeah. that we... I think to have a boundaries, it's important. Exactly. So, so if um, if we're looking, say, at about a 10 million yen property, right? Someone wants to buy through you. What can they expect sort of the... Like, and let's say they do get the ball rolling. It's not just the initial 20-minute or one-hour consultation. They say, look, we want to start, and we want you to start reaching out, show us some properties, and, and now... I've got these three or four I'm interested in. Please find more information. At what stage would they be paying and what are we kind of looking at? For say a 10 million yen property or $100,000. So we're always happy to give people our two cents and you know shoot emails backwards and forwards and not just three properties. You can hit us with a bunch of 10 or 20 properties that they've looked at. We'll quickly have a look and review and tell them what we think about them based on the listings as they are. Obviously, not all data is available on the listings, and even if it seems available, it needs to be confirmed. So at some point or another, when they do have a short list, and in order of priority, we'll need to start reaching out to those listing agents or sellers and start conducting due diligence on them. And definitely, if they want to submit offers, at that point, we will need to be engaged, which means we'll need our fee estimate paid in advance. And that's going to be, um, depending on the property, so our Bare minimum is 5% of 5 million yen property, which is uh, 250,000 yen. And then beyond 6.3%, uh, when 4% becomes uh, more than that, we switch to 4%. And if it happens to be 20 million or more, it goes down to 3%. So most of your customers who are buying 50 million plus would be paying us 3%. Sure. Thank you. Let's, uh, let's move over to... Oh, and so, and also that, how much of that is, is that just on the sale at the, at the contract time that's payable or? No, that's payable the moment we need to contact any third party on your behalf. So once you want us to start making inquiries with real live Japanese entities and not just look research online, um, at that point we need to be engaged because what happens with, and, and all of you here on the call have worked with Japanese side um, 
property professionals, not just property, I think you, you probably know, once you make contact with a Japanese entity, it's not just a matter of exchanging emails and getting back to them when you have time. They pick up the phone and they call you 24-7 in the evening, on the weekends, when they have a tiny tidbit of information to relay or a small question to ask. So once we open that door on your behalf, we need to be engaged because the phone calls are going to be starting on a regular basis. Mm. All right. Which one of you ladies is uh, next? Well, see, neither of us actually sell physical property, right? So, um, and my business model is that I'm selling my expertise. So, um, which is hard because it's not a tangible item. Um, so this is like 10 years of 10 years in the business. Um, and so what I, and a lot of people, you know, you know, they want to pick my brains. And, and so I've got to be really careful about the boundary of where, you know, where the value that I'm offering is useful and without getting to the point of, well, I'm white adding, white anting my own, um, you know, my own consulting. So, um, so I do offer like, you know, an initial call, you know, 30 minutes, no charge, and then just to really feel it out to see if it's a good fit, to see if it's a good fit for me and to see if it's a good fit for the client. And then then I'll turn around and quote and I'll give them, all right, this is actually what I do do. Um, and I, you know, I, I'll do your due diligence. I'll do your, um, I'll do your pro forma. I'll do your, you know, like SWOT analysis, like what for, for a minpaku, like a short-term rental business. And I'll, I'll do, run some cash flow numbers to see if they, if they're of interest to you. So as soon as I get into that and I'm either using my resources or my team's resources, I'm selling a block of time, um, and per hour. So it's either me or one of my one of my team will will actually go and do that research, um, and I usually sell it in a block because you know um, it's just it's just easier because you, you know it usually takes about ten hours I guess ten to you know fifteen hours to to really get something from um, from initial stage right through to the doors being open and you're earning money. So, but I sell them in, in increments of time. Um, or if someone already has a short-term rental, if they've already got a minpaku, I can come and audit what they do, um, look at uh, look at the listing, look at the copywriting, look at the marketing, and that's usually just again a fixed a fixed product, and I'll give a report. Um, you know, so you know that's what I do uh, as a consultant. Um, but what I don't do, I'm very clear about what I don't do. A lot of people think, oh, can you do my licensing for you? Can you do, can you go and get my, my Minpaku license? Can you go and, you know, do all of this stuff? And it's like, and no. <laughs> However, I have a Rolodex of people who are very good at that, who are very good at filling in forms and are very good at, um, you know, managing that relationship through the legal system. I'm, I'm more on, um, you know, the business side and then, so that's on the consulting thing. But if I take on your property within the Tokyo family stays, that's that's on a profit share basis. So that's, you know, if I have success and I've brought you customers, then we will share in the profits. So that's that's how I work with that. And that, again, that's on a case-by-case basis. So that's the, the short answer of how I work. The retainer, the retainer bank model is really clever. We've actually introduced it ourselves about two, three years ago for people who just need support in part of the process like for example if they work with somebody like Emil 
then you know they can handle the purchase process itself but they might want somebody to hold their hand review documents consult them along the way so the retainer bank works very well for us as well yeah so i'm a great sounding board it's like you know i'm really good at sort of brainstorming and you know looking at all the different angles and and um but you know that's my time so that's why i have a price per hour of what i you know um this is how much i'm worth I think, or this is how much value that I'm offering. I'm really sort of very conscious about the the information that I give the client will then, you know, help them, you know, jumpstart their business, you know, save them three months of time from learning. Because it's all stuff that people could have learned themselves for sure because I learned it myself over the last 10 years. But do you want to wait 10 years to, you know, to get to that level? Um, so you can, you know, you can buy my experience, yeah. We interrupt this broadcast to tell you about Tokyo Family Stays. They're a short-term rentals company in Tokyo and they offer a home away from home experience, which is just perfect for remote working, quarantining, if that's still a thing, or if you just need somewhere quiet to get away from the world. They offer a variety of options for families, corporate relocations, or even if you're simply transitioning between homes in Tokyo. The properties are super comfortable, tastefully furnished, fully equipped with all amenities, and they accommodate up to 10 people. So really the only thing you'll need to bring with you is your toothbrush and maybe a change of clothes. They come with fast unlimited wireless internet, dedicated workspaces, and fully equipped kitchens, and they're just a delight to stay in. Fantastic alternative to Japanese business hotels, which if you've ever stayed in one, you probably know they're tiny, they're noisy, fine for a night or two if you're on your own but longer term or with a family you'll probably feel you're in a jail cell very quickly in a japanese business hotel so if you want to give yourself a sense of space and freedom by renting a real home with comfortable western beds including all the necessities like baby bedding children's toys high chairs etc you definitely want to reach out to tokyo family stays they've been at it for over a decade they're a fully licensed minpaku or short-term stay operator And as a special bonus for our viewers and listeners, they're also throwing in a breakfast basket upon arrival for anyone who books and mentions the Japan Real Estate Podcast or NTI. And not only for guests, if you're a property owner, you've got an investment property that you want to tweak for higher profit or a holiday home that you want to rent out when you're not using it via short-term stays, drop them a line today, see how they can help you maximize your property's income. And again, as a special bonus to our viewers and listeners, they're also offering a free audit of your existing short-term stay listings without any obligation whatsoever. So feel free to reach out to them at tokyofamilystays.com. Well worth a visit. And again, if you're in the market for a family home in or around the Tokyo metropolitan area, Emil's your man. Don't be shy to reach out to him as well at sales at realestate.jp. And now back to the podcast. There was actually, you know, that retainer model you mentioned, Ziv, um, recently on the, uh, the Japan Real Estate Facebook group. We had one guy who was, I think he was purchasing a property and he kept coming back with a bunch of questions. Remember that? Um, mm-hmm. And I think he finally did it successfully, but so many ongoing questions he was asking, which when I was looking at that going, mm, this is stuff that your agent should, should be telling you. Yeah. Yeah. Should, should be, these are all questions that your agent should be uh, advising on because that's why you're paying him the 3%. But what I found is, um, in the so we've been at it similar to Tracy for about 11 12 years now um when we started it was just a no go zone like in a foreigner contacts a japanese realtor is like oh, yeah they ghost them now i don't know if it's covid or the economy the workforce shrinking or globalization but 
the agents are a lot more open to receiving inquiries from foreigners, but they still don't know how to relay the information in English, you know? So somewhere along the way, they always get stuck when the questions get a bit too complicated for Google Translate or whatever they're using, they get stuck and they're like, yeah, we've got so far with this agent, we're half the way there, but we, we just can't get an answer to these few questions. That's that's exactly my niche. Like I, at the end of the day, I do the same work as a Japanese agent in terms of we get, we find you the property and we do the transaction and you get the house. But because I've gone through, you know, two home purchases myself here in Japan and the bank and I work with so many clients, I know what the information what that know, owners you know, expect. Yeah, person. yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like, and I know what you don't know. And I'll, so I'll mm. tell you what questions that you need to be asking and the answers for them. Um, and that's also the, the service that you provide, Ziv. You know, when, when you're not even in the country, right? It's like, well, you need someone on the ground that knows what they're doing. So that's, that's your, your value add. And like uh, sorry, and Emil, you're being really modest as well. Like you're a complete, you know, finance and banking nerd. If I'm saying that <laughs> with love, of course, you know, yeah, like you love this stuff. Like you love this stuff. You like you research it on your own, and you spend your. It's you know, you don't just do it for your clients. You do it because you're curious. You're naturally curious about it, and you're good at it, right? So, um, thank you. So yeah, so I think you're selling yourself you short there. there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Set up there in that we're all quite passionate about at least let's say 80% of what we do on a regular basis. So yeah. we, we can go on, offer it for hours, and the customers benefit. Yeah. yeah. Um, before we jump on to, uh, um, uh, to the renovation sides of stuff, I want to ask briefly, Tracy. So, you know, we, we know your sort of consulting side of things, but I know very much, you know, if what I get a lot of inquiries now, and I actually just had a, a call with someone earlier today, um, an American guy who wants to buy, it's like about a, a 95 million yen house, standalone house near Yoyogi, two minutes from Yogi station. And he just wants to live here maybe two months a year, three months a year. Mm -hmm. yep. And the rest of the time is he wants to know if he can rent it out, etc. Mm -hmm. And my first thought was, yep, yeah, I think uh, I was, I looked at it and the zoning it's in because it's in Shibuya ward is okay for um, uh, Minpaku registration. Mm -hmm. It's a three-story house. It's actually registered as a two-story house, but they've the attic. They've kind of raised the roof, so there's a third third floor. But yeah, exactly. We we don't talk about that. Uh, but <laughs> so if someone and the regular rental we'd expect if we were to put it in the typical Jap rental was about three hundred thirty thousand yen, mm -hmm. which for this property comes to about a four point one percent rental yield if he just does that. But because he also wants to stay in it a few months, uh, sorry, a few months a year, I, I said, look, this short-term stay option is actually a really, really good one. And I said, look, I can introduce you to a management person that can do it. So, and that's like, you know, it's still early days in terms of whether or not we go ahead with this, but that was just, you know, a few hours ago, I was having this discussion. Mm -hmm. So in something like that, right, someone's looking to buy a property and then use your service to one, both, you know, they need someone on the ground to help you know, coordinate the registration. And although you don't do the registration, you know people that do, but right. also they don't live here and neither of them are Japanese. Mm -hmm. um, so you they, they need someone on the ground to coordinate the, um, the Scriveners and to coordinate someone to go do the registration, mm -hmm. the fire inspection, mm -hmm. um, and then even sort of decoration and fit out. 
and then managing the property. Right. Okay, so basically start to finish. And I think this is something that you that fits right in your realm really well. And there's a lot of people that... There's, there's one are, other piece you're missing though as well, Emil, because they don't live in Japan um, and they're not going to be using their own, like using that address as their um, as their primary residence, they need a, they need to have a Minpaku Kandi to co-sign the Minpaku licence. Yeah. Which so, is exactly that's what you do. Right? That's what. So I have both sides of it. I can step them through the licensing process. I don't actually fill in the forms, but I can project manage that with my contacts. I've got a few different people who are form filler inners, um, and that's the technical term. Um, so I have a few people who can do that, but I actually don't do that myself. But I can. I can be their boots on the ground. Um, I can oversee things like the photo shoot and um, and the styling and all of those things which are going to market the place after you have it open um, because it's not, as you know, it's not just about like opening the doors and chucking a couple of coffee cups and, and some curtains on the wall. You really have to, in this day and age, have to have the marketing right from the beginning, know, know your customer, know all of that stuff. So yeah. I can oversee that side as consulting, but then as the property manager, when it's open to, to look after the guests, do the revenue management, making sure that it's, you know, that it's it's really being is you know as profitable as as possible based on the market forces so yeah that's why yeah. i have two sides to my business yeah so that's why i like sort of that's why i bring up this particular case because it's a, it's kind of the whole start to finish of yeah. incorporates everything you do so one is one portion is sort of establishment right. like just a, a raw property let's get this registered and ready mm -hmm. for short-term rentals right mm -hmm. and airbnbs i use because yeah. lots of you know foreigners and i'll break and, you out of that habit short term stay min pa or min paku, okay min so, so that registration and so there's a certain cost what are you looking like a few hundred thousand yen to maybe a million yen to sort of get that yeah done mm -hmm. yeah and then there's the ongoing management after it's registered Correct. and that's you know that's a profit put, share usually yeah yeah, yeah put, putting on the website all right and mm -hmm. so when you say profit sharing um let's say this this property that in your two minutes from Yogi Station, mm -hmm. the typical Japanese rental will be about three hundred thirty thousand yen a month. Is what Correct. they'd expect. Um, if they were to rent it out, short term stay, we can get maybe what let's, we're looking at six hundred. It's three bedroom house, so three bedrooms, six, six to maybe. a mill, six hundred, eight hundred. Yeah, some good months. Sometimes of the year, you know, if it's April, if it's March or April, if it's Christmas, um, you know, it really depends on when they're going to be using their own property as well. Sure. Um, the, the other thing they have to remember is like comparing it directly with a, you know, a long, like a chintai long-term stay is that they have to have it completely empty. So there is that opportunity cost of the furnishings as well. So that's, yeah. a, that's a little factor in there as well. Mm. Well, I think they want to be able to also live in it a few months a live year. Live in it a few months a year. Is, yeah, I have clients like that who do that. Mm. Yeah, it's not purely a, a rental return, but they want to make the most of it while it's, they don't want the debt space. Yeah. Mm. Okay. And so of the profit sharing, because we're talking about fees, mm -hmm. what is it? Like, is it 25 to 35% is this? like it, operating margin that's common yeah that's that's you if it depends on like it depends on whether it's a full service deal if i look after if i look after 
paying your paying your utilities, looking after your gardening, looking after like basically looking after it and having a like a fixed cost per month. I'll cover those fixed costs and then I'll do a profit share after that. Or or we'll look at we'll look at you know we'll we'll run some some scenarios um to see which one works out best. Or it can just be a 25, 20 to 25 percent of pure like of gross revenue so it's either a profit share after the costs have been covered um like utilities and cleaning and all that stuff or just on gross revenue so it really you know i'm i'm open i don't have a fixed business model that way sure yeah. okay hopefully this comes through uh because the property looks perfect for for short-term stay two and minutes to, to, from your yogi station that's like that's, that's my hood baby i know it like and it's a 10 year old which, which house side, it's a, which side uh, of the um it's a um sendagaya okay. gochoma, yeah. But I think so. I think it's on the inside of the inside, station. so it's near Hobo Shinjuku, yeah. near that, near that, yeah. Near... Near... Yes, yes, and there's it's, it's only, yeah, there's it's two like properties that I want there. I ten years, want them. Yeah. The mm. house is 10 years old, yep. Um, so it's actually okay. so it's a, it's a nice, it's not like a rundown dump yep. or anything like Perfect. that. So, um, I'll let you know how that goes, please. I, I'd love to get my hands on it. Aha. That's what I want to do. I love setting up like, like that's that's my happiest place. Setting up houses from from scratch and getting them out to the you know out into the into the world and having guests using them. That's my I happy happy place. I saw your name written all over this one. <laughs> um, yes, and Blake, of, sorry, yeah. I've just been dominating the conversation. No worries. No, you know, for us it's a little bit different because we uh, we are doing the renovations. So usually our model is that we offer the quotation for free so uh you know we usually first we we kind of discuss with the client what they have in mind uh if preferably if the if the property is close by we just first go to the property let the client show us the property uh and then you know when because often what you see uh in person and what uh the client thinks he sees is very different so we like to we like to actually see it in person so then we can make uh, uh more of a you know exact uh, quotation because the problem is a lot of foreigners is like can you tell me approximately the thing is there is no such thing as approximately uh you know my guys if they are doing quotation it's going to take them two to three weeks because uh if it's a full full reno of course if it's just wallpaper we look around and we can tell you it's going to cost you one and a half or two mil but if there are more factors involved uh, involved then it takes time so uh we we always ask the clients uh you know we want to see the property and we go there for free uh it's so it's uh mine and my manager's time and the going there and all that stuff so we try kind of weed out where we actually going so we are not going everywhere where they contact us because very often uh you know people don't really understand how costly these things are in japan so uh you know i always ask okay do you have the actual plan of the of the property so we can look at the plan and then we can tell them okay so for example approximately in this in this area uh if it's you know new bathroom it's gonna cost you this and this much. We can we can tell a lot from looking at the plan, and then the client can decide. Okay, I can afford it, or I, you know, don't want to pay this much. And then we would not even continue with the conversation. Um, 
And then because once once we go there, as I'm saying, you know, it costs us our time and, and expenses because we do not ask customers to cover for that. So, uh, you know, we are trying to do it that way because then our fees are basically only get paid when we are signing the contract. Because then in the contract is our like the site management fees, you know, and everything that's uh, that's included in there. Uh, we do have some cases that um, the clients are about to buy a property and uh, they are not sure whether they want to or they don't want to. And then they go like, oh, would you go and have a look at that with me? And usually at that point, we kind of try and ask for to at least get paid for our one day of time and the and the travel expenses we we don't do it always uh but uh but yeah lately we've just we just at least ask for that because we've had a lot of inquiries from people that want to buy a property and they want to know how much it's gonna cost them to fix it before they actually sign the deal and that is a t that's our time. So when when this situation occurs, we ask uh, we ask for a day expenses and then like the transportation. So depending whether it's Tokyo or Chiba or sometimes we even get Tochigi, you know, Saitama. So depending on yeah yeah, it's funny. It's funny. It's because we are we are bilingual company and like in Tochigi. Unfortunately, the reform companies, they don't want to deal with foreigners. Yeah. So like I get emails, people asking me, can you please do that for me? Like they are willing. They know it's going to cost them more money. Even to hire us as a reform company is going to cost them more money because I have to charge the transportation. And, you know, the, the expenses are going to be the management expenses are going to be much more. But they want to, to deal with us because they they just cannot deal with the locals. So yes. at that point we do charge. Uh, so it's about you know plus minus around a hundred thousand yen. Uh, then for us to go and inspect the property with the client, plus I'm saying plus minus because I have to bring at least one person with me. So I have to pay for him, pay for me. So and you do that, but if you don't think it's going to be a case of just inquiring, you do that for free. Yeah. Yeah. Or if how it's like how many hours of your week does that take? Sorry, how, how, many, how many hours, hours does that take? of your week? You and your not staff. much. I don't. I honestly, I try not to do that. At this point, we are quite busy, so I'm actually uh, refusing work right now. <laughs> No, yeah, I'm at the point that I'm very picky with the projects because we have quite a, a few few bigger jobs going on, and uh, so so I'm very picky with the projects we take on. Because some of them, unfortunately, they might, you know, sound fast, but the the profits and the efforts do not kind of, you know, add up. So I, I need to learn how to do that. that we is have. So, I mean, I just like, yeah, but there's nobody else who's going to do it for them. Yeah, <laughs> but you know how what? Many... At, the, at this point, um, I can't do that because I can't overwork uh, my crew for nothing. Right? And I also don't want to be giving them kind of like a, you know, Japanese do not like to be fixing things unnecessarily or like, because like foreigners think, oh, well, half of it is good. Half of it is rubbish, but half of that thing is good. Why don't we just fix the broken half? Yeah. And that's what the Japanese, the Japanese artisans, the Japanese workers go like, no. <laughs> much problems. Too much time consuming. It's gonna cost more than than 
you know, throwing it away and buying mm. a new thing. Mm. So if, and sometimes the clients literally insist, like we are doing a beautiful reform, but the client wants to keep a few things from the old apartment. And it's like, why? Right? The kitchen so, counter. No, just yeah, so there are some <laughs> silly things, you know. I don't want to be <laughs> mentioning exactly, but let's for example, if I would tell you, okay, you would want to keep uh you are changing everything, but you're gonna keep a faucet from your, <laughs> you know, you know, things like that, right? And to explain to them, listen, you know, faucet at the end of the day costs like Nimayan or Samayan. But to be removing it, keeping it, and making sure it fits into your new, because often what they did 10 years ago, the fittings were different. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's not that we, you know, but foreigners, they often like to keep things because they think, you know what, if they think differently, they don't want to be throwing away things. I know it's more ecological. It's not even the economical point of view. It's more of the ecological. Do not throw away what's not broken. But Japanese workers, they don't like to do that. So uh, I often have to be like, you know what? No, we're not going to do this because it will be too much of a headache. Yeah. And, yeah it's and, and then at the end of the day, the profit would not be uh, big enough for us to even, for me to justify to my guys, I really want you to do this because. No, right? you're 100% correct. I need to learn to do that. But Tracy had to go, I think, right, Tracy? Yes, I have to go, but I do have one question for Blanca. Yeah. How, what, approximately how many are converting? I'm just curious. Like, you know, how many quotes are you doing and how many people are, like, converting? Uh, I'm very picky who I do the quotation for. Right. So. Uh, you've pre-screened, you pre yeah? I pre-screen. I'm pretty, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty good with pre-screening. So I would say I convert about 90% of my yes. Mitsumoris. Mm, mm. I'm, 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 I'm kind of good with that. <laughs> I can talk people into oblivion <laughs> and they give me the job. Because what I'm worried about is like I'm trying it with my, you know, with my initial quote and with my initial like consultation, I'm trying to give people real talk. I'm trying to give people like, yeah, I don't want very real. I'm very real. I don't want to say, oh, yes, you're, you know, it's going to be smooth sailing. You're going to, you know, hire me and I'll get it done for you. Like I try to give like people all of the possible roadblocks and all the possible hidden costs. And, and, you know, yes, it might look good on paper, but, you know, let's, let's, you know, just in case you don't get the occupancy sure I've been burnt by the pandemic right like I'm yeah. very different uh, my my view of the the business is I do temper that with 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 what happened in 2020 so so um, what I do what I do to kind of pre-screen even before I get the guys going I literally usually ask them do you have an idea how much you want to spend or what's yeah. your budget and then the people tell me their budget and I'll tell them, okay, listen, we can't do it for that because I already know just looking at the place, it's going to cost you double, right? Or, you yeah. know, things like that. And then they go like, ah. Uh. So that's even why I'm always asking for like the plans um, up mm-hmm. ahead. And I, you know, talk with uh, with my guy in the office to see, you know, do we even want to spend the time on it? Because as I'm saying, our quotations, once we pull them out, it's a two weeks job, mm. you know? So I don't want to be, I don't want to be, I don't want them to work for free. Mm-hmm. 
right? Even if it's uh, even if it's a part of their days or whatever, I don't want them to do it. So I'm quite careful with pre-screening the people and having a discussions with the clients before. So then I have a high conversion rate, but that's just because also I'm lucky with clients. And usually if they already go to me, they go through because uh, like recommendation, word of mouth, they heard from somebody, okay, go deal with them. We do have a really good pricing. Yeah. And our guys are more flexible. So I will tell you what the problem is with your property, but I will also tell you we can do it in a little, you know, we can do it this and that way, more of a flexibility, not just coming and dumping a system kitchen on you, dumping unit bathroom, you know, rolling a wallpaper, there you go, right? We kind of try and play with the system. We are more flexible uh, because that's one thing that I'm trying to teach the Japanese guys to be more open-minded. It's a challenge for them. And at first they hated it. And now they are kind of more excited about, you know, having uh, having something different to do. And it's fun for them too. That's yeah. an interesting topic for a whole different episode, actually, yeah. is uh, how it works <clears throat> inside our offices with the Japanese and the non-Japanese. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. have a wild guess. This has been really good today. This has been like a really interesting conversation today. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be really um, give people a lot of more like you know uh, like information before they sort of jump in. Like they know they know what they people. Thinking. I think the most important thing people need to realize that uh, if you are discussing with any expert uh, and you are not just fishing for stupid answers on Facebook, but you are talking to a real expert. I'm not a real estate Facebook group. Hang on. No, I'm talking about you know what they always go and fish on on Tokyo expat network and then 50 people tells them 50 different things and yes. 55 of those 50 is wrong. So, uh, <laughs> you know, if you're actually talking to the person, to a, a, an expert, don't expect to have it for free. Mm. That is the number one. Uh, Except me. <laughs> Except you. Yeah. yeah, you are too kind. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I also tell people, you know what, if you uh, if you are serious about it, then uh, book a consultation session with. Yes. Right? And that's how I put it. I had a discussion on, I had the panel on Friday that, you know, some people came and they wanted to, they, they were asking me things about uh, loans. And I said, listen, I don't know anything about that, but I know who does. So book a session with Emil. Then yep. they came and they wanted to know something about short-term rentals. And again, I said, listen, I don't know. I will only tell you from what I've heard from Tracy. So if you are serious, book a session with her and then, you know, uh, book a one-hour session. I don't know. I don't even know if you do that, actually. Yeah, if you just, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, all, we all offer initial consultations, whether it's yeah, but- hour. Hour. Yeah, but I think an hour is already too long for free. But I mean, oh, no, but I don't do an hour for free. No. Yeah, you can do like 15, 20 minutes. And if the yeah. person wants to continue, then they have to pay. Correct. Because, you know, time is money and experience and knowledge is very valuable. You know, otherwise go on, go online and ask chat GPT. Yeah. yeah. And, you I know, free GPT. information is really only as good as you pay for, right? Free information from the internet, yeah? No, because everybody asks questions. And you you guys know that even more than me. Everybody makes an inquiries, but there is nothing coming out of that. But you've already devoted your time and expertise to that specific question. And then That's the boundary 
Is that what you were talking about? Yeah. Yeah. So, so if I, that's my thing that I always tell people, listen, if you are really serious about this, then book a session and ask the person that knows. Stop fishing for information. For sure. All right. We better let Tracy go. Thank you, folks. Well, nice. getting the band back together. Getting the band back together. Excellent. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Excited. Yes. Hopefully. See you soon. See you. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Bye. So there you have it. That was a nice and uh, comprehensive breakdown of all of our fees and what they include for anyone out there who's interested in retaining the services of any one of us on the JREP crew, um, as well as, I suppose, others like us here in Japan, if, if there are many of us. Hope that brings you some value and helps you calculate your required budget well in advance of the purchase or even before contacting us for the very first time. Now, before we go, we're also, as always, going to tell you and also link to our other sponsor's website. That's Hiroshi Shimizu, immigration lawyer and administrative scrivener. If you're thinking about moving here on a more permanent basis or you're already in Japan on some sort of a temporary visa and you want to switch to a longer term or permanent one, or if you're considering setting up a local company or a branch office of a foreign company and you've got any sort of business or visa-related inquiries, or even if you just want to find out what your options are on any of these topics, feel free to contact Hiroshi Shimizu. You can find him at japanimmigrationexperts.com and he can help you set up a company, apply for any kind of visa, or just provide you with the best advice and extremely affordable consultation related to these topics. And he's already done that for many of our listeners. So feel free to reach out to him. Again, that's japanimmigrationexperts.com and you'll be well on your way. And that's it from us for today, folks. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Japan Real Estate Podcast. Do share it with your networks and please let us know what you think. So leave us a short rating or review on the iTunes store, on Spotify, or just drop us a line in the comment section of wherever you might have found this episode. We love hearing from you. Hope to have you with us again next time. And until then, have a great day or night ahead. Yoroshiku! Yoroshiku!